Thanks, Pastor Andrew and Jackie. That is a really good and timely reminder that our life is built upon Jesus, a rock that will not fail despite the direction and changes that we're all experiencing at the moment. I've been reflecting over the last couple of weeks what it means to live in internal freedom. In the midst of what seems to be increasing external restriction and oppression, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 reminds us that we carry the resurrection of Jesus within our mortal bodies. And we know that the resurrection is freedom itself. We as a church leadership have been diligently praying for you. We've also been seeking the Holy Spirit on what it is that we should be teaching out of Scripture for such a time as this. I'm excited to let you guys know that um, next Sunday we'll be beginning to explore the book of Daniel and asking the question, what does it look like for us to stand strong in the end times? It's definitely a series you want to connect in for. My name is Pastor Brock and I get to put a bookend today on our relationship series. We know without a doubt that God desires our vertical and horizontal relationships to be healthy and fruitful. Our strength and health of our horizontal relationships, being our family, our friends, as parents in our singleness, determines the health and depth of our vertical relationship with Christ. And it's the same vice versa. Our vertical relationship with Christ changes us and determines our ability to live in harmony and health with those around us as well. It's a double-edged sword. I believe that this topic today that I'm teaching on is one of the most important topics in Scripture. Why do I say that? It's something that we all will face, we do face, we all practice, and something that we all need to continue to grow in. And it's this. Getting along when the going gets tough. Conflict. Getting along when the going gets tough. And it's not a matter of if the going's going to get tough. It's a matter of when we're going to conflict with others. How do we conflict? What do we do when we live in community with someone who is rubbing us up the wrong way? How do others live in community with us? when we're going to rub them up the wrong way. I have to say, people can be so annoying, can't they? (laughs) We're called to a ministry of reconciliation. First, to be reconciled with God, and secondly, to be reconciled with others. What does it mean to be reconciled? It means to restore friendly relations between. It doesn't mean that we suddenly have to be best mates with everyone and go out and play golf every Saturday. But it does suggest that our relations with other people must be ones of harmony. Let me pray as we continue to push on. Lord, I thank you for the richness and truth of your scriptures. And today, Lord, as we open your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us, that you equip us, that you empower us, and ultimately, You help us to conflict well. We know it's inevitable, but we seek your power and wisdom that we may um, be fruitful in how we engage with other people. And we pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. 
Amen. Amen. Do you know that I'm a really easy person to get on with? Mine and others' patience has never been tested before. I always see eye to eye with others, and I've actually never met anyone who's had a differing opinion or belief than I do. But then I woke up from my dream, and in my dream, I was on a deserted island alone. One thing that is guaranteed in my life and in your life is that we will face challenges when it comes to being with, working with, and playing with other people. And also as we're serving with them in ministry as well. You will face conflict with other people as you rub up against different personalities, opinions and beliefs. You'll get frustrated at people's behaviour, at their drive or lack of. And others will get frustrated at you. It's guaranteed that you'll hurt other people by the things that you say and do. And it's inevitable that people, other people will hurt you by the things they say or do. And most of the time, this hurt is unintentional, by the way. Conflict is an absolute guarantee. But I want to be clear from the outset. Conflict is great. It is healthy and fruitful and actually glorifies God when we do it well. Today, I want to help take the fear out of conflict for you. I want to equip us to be able to approach conflict biblically, positively, and in a healthy and fruitful way. And my prayer for you following this is that your broken relationships will be restored and God glorified. I want to make three statements right at the front end. Three statements that I feel are very countercultural and actually very applicable to the times that we currently live. I want you to write these down. I actually ask that you take lots of notes today. Don't take the approach that you are exempt to this or it doesn't apply. Number one, harmony is not agreement. One thing that is true is that we will have different opinions, worldviews and beliefs than other people. And that's okay. A great example of this is the differing viewpoints when it comes to the government's response in this pandemic, to vaccines and restrictions. And yes, it, it can be challenging. But our mission in life is not to polarize other people. And it's not to manipulate or force others to agree with us. We're called to turn people's eyes to Jesus. He is the one who transforms. He is the one who's going to give us each discernment and truth. Number two, disagreement does not equal disrespect. You just have to share a view on Facebook and you watch the disrespectful comments will quickly come. If that's you, stop it. We can disagree with others and still remain in harmonious relationship. We're called to be living out all of the fruits of the Spirit, even when we're on Facebook. And number three, unity is not sameness. I would get on with that person if only they were like me. We would be united if they liked what I liked and believed what I believed. No. But that is why we conflict. Because we are all different. 
We're called the body of Christ. And we know that a body is made up of very different parts. And that we celebrate. Our differences, our different gifts, our talents, our different spiritual gifts and different callings in ministry is great. Because of our differences, when we're together and united in Christ, we form the complementary body that together we can achieve anything that God calls us to. We endure difficulties and unpleasantries with one another because we're all one part parts of the same whole. I said three, but maybe I want to chuck in a sneaky number four. Love is the fuel of healthy conflict. Preceding the strategy of conflict resolution is love. I have to say, without love, healthy and fruitful conflict is not possible. The Bible says in uh, the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 9, says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. It's true. When we drink of God's love, when we receive it, it's inevitable that we'll conflict less, because we'll have a greater understanding and appreciation of others. Church, we're just warming up. I need to say, church, we need to conflict, learn to conflict well. I have to say, particularly as we approach and think about our upcoming series on standing strong in the end times, as believers, we must become experts in conflict. Why? I believe the answer to seeing the church of Jesus Christ grow and thrive into the future, and as we near Jesus' return, is not to have better music. It's not to have better teaching, to improve our buildings or to get better at marketing. These are all important, yes. But I believe that the church of Jesus will grow as we remove all and any sign of division within the family of God, within our church family. Then we will see the fulfillment of John chapter 13, verse 35, which says, By this, being our love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You get that? By our love for one another, people will look upon our church family and hunger to be involved. They will be forced to ask the question, what is different in this community? I've never seen that in a community of people before, and I want that. And we know what that is. It's Jesus. Let's open the Bible together and read from the book of Colossians chapter 3. I want to point out a few things and then explore quickly the uh, Matthew 18 process in how we are to conflict. Follow along Colossians chapter 3 from verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against somebody. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Now that is a conflict passage. Why? 
because it's talking about the interaction of people. Remember I said before, conflict is inevitable. But this is what it can be like. In the midst of conflict, we can experience and be what we just read, full of compassion, full of kindness, humility, gentleness, in love, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Now that sounds like healthy conflict. The world's understanding of conflict is, is quite opposite, hey? Many would believe that conflict must involve anger, division, hurt, raise voices, and maybe this sense of ongoing brokenness and opposition. The idea that I'm right and you're wrong, and I have to do all I can to ensure that that remains the case. Verse 14 says, over all of these virtues, it says, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's love. Once again, it seems like a a common theme. But note, the presence of love does not equal the absence of conflict. I want us to remember conflict is inevitable, it's normal, and it's good when we do it well. Do you know that as a group of pastors at Benio Baptist Church, we conflict often? We conflict because we're all passionate about the calling God has given each of us. We all have very different ideas and giftings and different perspectives. But I think we've learned to conflict well. And I have to say, as we do, it bears great fruit and much fruit across the life of our church. Verse 13 says that we are to bear with one another. What does it mean to bear with one another? The word bear in the original Greek means to endure something unpleasant or difficult. To endure something unpleasant or difficult. That implies that we are to display a willingness to put up with people's differences, abuses, whether intentional or not, and offences caused by other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not what we expected to hear. We have to endure abuse. Is that what it means? I'm not, ign- I'm not ignoring abuse or am I saying it's okay? Matthew 18 principle will help us to see how we can approach that well in a little while. But bearing with one another means bearing with one another's weaknesses. It means that being mindful that you are not the center of the universe. I mean, being a, it means being aware of everyone's struggle And everyone, the fact that everyone has their own burdens and are wrestling with their own conflicts. Here are a few approaches and strategies I believe must exist for conflict to be healthy. The first is this, if you're taking notes. We must be the one who initiates relational restoration. I don't know about your garden, but at the moment, the weeds in our garden are going gangbusters. I've been looking at them thinking... I want you to die. But the reality is they keep growing. When our plants are struggling, weeds grow. Do you know something? If, if Bree and I aren't proactive and grab our shovel and pull the weeds out, they're not going to pull themselves out. It's the same with conflict. We must be the ones who take the proactive steps to remove the weeds that are choking our relationships. We need to be the ones who initiate the makeup, to bring peace, to say sorry, to ask for forgiveness or to forgive. 
and to go to that person to have a healthy conflict to, res- to clear the air. But we, ca- we can't just wait for the other person to come to us first and maybe think it's their fault. They wronged me. They need to change. They need to repent. They need to come to me. If we just simply wait for the other person to take the first step, it may never happen. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. In his great sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter, nine, chapter 5, verse 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers are different than peacekeepers. Peacekeepers are like turtles. They hate conflict and will do all they can to avoid it. And when it, whenever there's any sense of tension or disagreement or argument, they find themselves running in the opposite direction. They pull back into their shell and avoid conflict at all costs. Peacemakers are willing to sacrifice, sorry, peacemakers. Peacemakers are willing to sacrifice their own inner peace to maintain the facade of peace with others. And we know a facade is just a band-aid to the deeper issue, and that's not healthy. A peacemaker on the other hand, requires wisdom and tact to act in love. They're willing to resolve both outer and inner inner turmoil in order to establish peace with others and within themselves also. Inevitably, peacemaking will require you to engage in tension for the outcome of harmony and peace in relationship. Peacemaking is proactive. Peacekeeping is passive. Romans 12 verse 18 says to us, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, so you play your part, live at peace with one another. The second is this. Our listening ear is our weapon. You may have heard it said, you have two ears and one mouth, so do twice as much listening as speaking. We must be quick to listen and slow to speak. James, in the first chapter, verse 19, says, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I believe that our call to be slow to speak and slow to anger are deliberately together. Because isn't it true that quite often we're quick to speak because we're angry? To be honest with you, a time of confession. This has been one of my greatest shortfalls with my family over the last three weeks, three weeks of lockdown. And because I haven't prioritised listening but being quick to speak and anger, I'm sure, I'm confident that I've missed understanding my kids' perspectives. I would have missed some context of what happened and their motives and the sequence of events. There most likely would have been a more fruitful outcome of harmony if I had a prioritised listening over speaking. Proverbs 18 verse 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. If you take the time to listen to another, you're actually saying to them, I care about you and I want to take the time to understand you. Because we know understanding another brings understanding. It'll give you insights and and maybe better understand why they think, act or respond 
the way they do. And in the process, you might also understand and see some deep hurt that they're facing, some loneliness or brokenness or maybe mental health issues. And then you have the opportunity to support them in your discipleship. The third is this. Harmony comes before worship. Scripture says that brokenness in our horizontal relationships affects the depth of our vertical relationship with Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a great example of the importance for us to restore broken relationships in our lives. We can read Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, it says this, Therefore, if any are offering, if you are offering your gift to the altar, and there, there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, and then come back and offer your gift. It says before you offer your gift, which is your act of worship, get up and go and make up with that person that, that maybe has wronged you or who you have wronged. 1 Corinthians 11 says similar, before you take communion, examine yourself. Examine yourself before your act of worship of communion. Wouldn't it be fruitful if we approach conflict resolution as an act of worship? As we, as we restore our relationships, get this church, as we restore our relationships, it, it actually opens up a clear, unhindered path for us to worship. We must be the ones who initiate relational restoration. Our listening ear is our weapon and harmony becomes, comes before worship. So taking these into account, I want to briefly look at Matthew 18 principle with you. This is a simple but extremely effective step-by-step process for conflict resolution. Please come with me to Matthew 18. It says from verse 15, If your brother or sister sins against you, go to them. And I want to stop and insert what we read in Colossians chapter 3 from verse 12 here. Go to them, clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience and in love. If you're going to them in anger and not love, stop. Go and sort yourself out first and then go to them. Point, and it says, go to them and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Great. But if they will not listen to you, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. I love this. It's a process. But it's more, of a, more than a process. It's a principle to live by. And a means in which we are able to be diligent in preserving the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Matthew 18 verse 15 says... When your brother sins against you, so when there's hurt, when there's tension, when there's been conflict, when you're butted with heads, go and tell that person in private, just you and them. It doesn't say, call your mates and gossip. It doesn't say, jump on and tell everyone how terrible, terrible they are. It doesn't say, go on Facebook or tweet it to your 2,586 followers. 
Your first response is to go to them. Don't text them where there's no tone. Go to them or in lockdown, give them a call. And ensure you're praying a lot about this, remembering that we're going in the Holy Spirit's strength. It may go something like this. Hey, when you did that thing the other day, it hurt me. And I want to come to you and talk just so we can clear the air of anything that come between us. I know you're probably thinking of someone right now who maybe tension exists between you and them. I want to acknowledge that it's not easy to start these conversations. But if you do, but if you don't, it actually eats away with, at you. And some research actually suggests that unforgiveness and ongoing conflict may actually cause physical sickness. I'll be praying for you and look forward to hearing that you follow this principle and the beautiful restoration that follow. Can I share an example with you from step one? Recently, I had someone approach me and they were talking about conflict that they had. They were actually hurt by someone else's actions. They felt excluded and stood over. We chatted for a while and then I said, have you, have you spoken to them? No, they said. But he was willing to give him a call. I gave him his number and he actually called. Do you know what the outcome was? It was something like this. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know I made you feel like that. That was not my intention. I, I appreciate you. Will you forgive me? It's a great outcome. And they're actually closer now than they were before. I believe that God honors this process. When you're obedient to God and the Spirit, God stirs hearts and works. They were reconciled and God was honored. But there could be another outcome, couldn't there? Hey, you know when you said this and their response, I didn't say that. What are you talking about? Don't be so sensitive. You're, you're overthinking it. Maybe they're just wanting to defend themselves. There's step two in this process. It says grab someone else and take them with you. Choose carefully. Don't just choose someone who has sided with you and just think, yeah, let's go and tell them. Choose someone who is neutral and unbiased. Hey, you know that thing you did the other day? It bothered me and I, I felt hurt. And they may actually respond and say, you know, after you left the other day, I thought about it and I actually realized that, that I was wrong. And now I'm also hearing them say it say the same thing, I'm actually sorry. Once again, the Holy Spirit is honoured in this process and hearts are changed. But there could be another response. Something like, oh, what? So now you're going to bring him? You're siding and you're just ganging up on me? I'm not listening to you. I don't even want to talk to you guys. Get out of my face. There's a third step in the process. It says, go and tell the church. Come to me or another person on staff or your small group leader in private, in confidence, and say, here's the deal. I had this run-in with so-and-so and they sinned against me and I, I went to them, just me and them privately, and they were frustrated. I took someone else with me and they got even more frustrated. Can you help me work through this? I've actually been a part of this third step with a number of people. And I have to say... From first-hand experience, that God was at work in miraculous supernatural ways that brought peace. But every now and then, 
there may be a different response. I'm so angry. I can't believe you're doing this. I'm not repenting from this sin. Get away. Church, I want to tell you that there's good reason to break fellowship with somebody. But it's absolute last resort. A biblical reason is deep, unrepentant sin. When someone is unknowingly and deliberately living in sin and don't repent, but instead justify, it's simply evidence that the Spirit of God is not at work in their lives. So the Matthew 18 principle says at that point, you are to treat them like a pagan or tax collector. Ooh. How do we treat pagans and tax collectors? Love them. Love them, pray for them, and share the gospel with them. You pray that they turn back to Jesus and are transformed by him. It doesn't say just avoid them for the rest of your existence. It is a helpful, freeing process. That's why I love scripture. To conclude, there's lots to think about. If we learn to conflict well, we'll get to eat of its fruits. Our fear of conflict will dissipate and we'll have strength, the strength and means to execute what are, what's often seen as difficult conversations. As we do, relationships will be restored. Families will be strengthened. Workplaces will become places in which people thrive. People will be built up and grow in their faith. You will grow in your spiritual maturity. And most importantly, God will be glorified and his church will grow. Imagine the difference that this message could make if in our hearts and lives and various relationships if we took it to heart. Imagine what our church, our Juniton, Eagle Hawk and Life Essentials community could be like if we were so healthy that people couldn't resist being a part of our church. Can I ask, will you commit yourself to resolving conflict biblically? Because only unconditional love can spin a thread strong enough to stitch the tapestry of believers together together in perfect unity. Please pray with me. And as we do, if you have someone in mind that you need to approach, I want to pray that you'll have the strength and that you'll be able to take what you've learned and there'll be beautiful restoration as a result. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that your scripture is rich, not only to equip us, but to outline some really healthy processes that can resolve conflict. Father, I thank you that you call us to be in harmonious relationship with you and others. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll point out to each of us any relationship that we need to pursue to strengthen and maybe bring healing. Father, in your strength and courage, we apply your biblical principle, biblical approach to conflict resolution. And we look forward to the results. Father, that by our love for one another, the world will see that we are your disciples. And we pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.